I'm glad they get to sit down. That'd be a long time to stand. Hey, those of you, uh, my name is Trent Walker. I'm one of the pastors here. I have the privilege and the honor of bringing God's word to you today. And uh, I want to, just two quick things. Those of you who are here from the, that are normally at the Mosaic service, and those of you who are here who are usually in the gym at the Breakwater service, um, it's, it's a little weird to see some of you in this room, uh, but we want to thank you for that, for your willingness to be flexible this morning. It's not that we don't think those other services are valuable. Um, it's that we, look, I, I know it's hard to believe, but our staff and volunteers are human too. And they have families and Christmas traditions and all that kind of stuff. So we are having two services this morning, one tonight and one tomorrow morning. But we thought instead of trying to spread out all of our tech and all of our other stuff, let's just, let's gather together, rub shoulders with each other and, uh, and hear some amazing music. The other thing I want you to know is uh, I woke up this morning and put my hearing aids in and only one of them worked. So I'm a little sideways today. It is the ear that hears the worst, uh, but if afterwards, if we're talking and I'm leaning in a lot, that's because it's either that or I don't hear anything that you have to say. Uh, we are going to be in, it's still Advent to us, and it's a little strange as a, as a communicator. I was telling that to Pastor Doug this morning that to this, this morning we're talking about eight days after Jesus was born, and then tonight we're talking about him being born. So it feels a little feels a little weird uh, chronologically, but we are in Advent still, uh, and we're going to talk about the Song of Simeon, but more than that, we're going to talk about what he says to Mary. Uh, And so I'm going to start, I'm going to pray, I'm going to start with an illustration, then we'll read that, and then there'll be another passage of Scripture I read to you that will not be up on the screen. I just want you to hear it because of the words of Jesus. I just want you to hear it as if you're hearing it for the first time, and it's a pokey one. But it's a good one, and it goes with what Simeon has to say. So let's pray together. Lord, you hear God, and we're not. And we are so thankful that that not only are you God from on high, but you chose to join us here, to become one of us, to take on flesh, to be fully human, even to the point of being born of a woman. You never lost your divinity, but we know that you can identify with everything we experience. We bless you for that. And Lord, you gave people special knowledge um, back before you were born and and then immediately after you were born. We want to hear what one of those people that you gave special knowledge to has to say today. So, Lord, I ask that you stand in my shoes, that you give me your thoughts, that you speak with my mouth so that this is your message for us, not my message for them. Show us only what you want us to see. Tell us only what you want us to hear. And give us only what you want us to have. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you heard of the Taj Mahal? Most people have. Um, I don't know if it's considered one of the great... uh, man-made wonders of the world, but from what I understand, it is absolutely stunning. And there are dozens of legends surrounding the Taj Mahal, why it was built, uh, uh, who built it. Well, actually, they pretty much know who built it. But there's one of these legends that's very disturbing to me, and I want to just share it with you. Um, The favorite wife of the Mughal emperor Shah Jahan died. Now, that's a little weird right there, that his favorite wife died. Number one, if you have a bunch of wives, you better not have a favorite. 
But he was devastated, and he set out to honor her with a temple that would act as her tomb. He had her coffin placed in the middle of a large parcel of land, and he began construction of the Taj Mahal around it. No expense would be spared to make this tomb magnificent. And as time went by, the construction of the Taj Mahal continued, but it became an obsession for this emperor, Shah Jahan. The passion for the building had replaced his mourning and his grief. He was consumed. And one day, while walking from one side of the construction site to the other, his knee bumped against this large wooden box. And this mogul emperor, Shah Jahan, was so frustrated by the fact that he had bumped his knee against this box... He had it removed and thrown out into the field. And the content of that box was the remains of his wife. The reason for the construction was thrown out and the building was completed anyway. Now, that would never happen now. There's no chance that we would ever be caught in the trappings of the gospel and throw out the gospel itself. It would never, we would never conceive of being like the Pharisees were in any way. Those who had been given opportunity to, to, to predict, to see, to, to, to hope for the coming of the Christ child, the Messiah, the, Christ, or the Lord's Christ, they, of course, when he showed up, they see it for what it is, they respond to it in faithfulness, and Everything goes the way the Lord had hoped. Right? Are we different than them? I hope so. God, I hope so. But I'm not sure I always am. So let's hear from the words of Simeon. This is eight days after Jesus was born. We hear about him going to be circumcised. And we hear about this man who God, who God had told he would... He would not die until the Savior was born. And it reads like this. It's from Luke chapter 2, verses 21 and following. It says, On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, meaning Jesus, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. When the time of their purification, meaning Mary and Joseph, now typically the husband doesn't have to go be purified because he's not the one that gave birth. There's not bodily fluid, but, but because they didn't have a place to stay, we know this story, we talked about it a little bit over the last couple of weeks, they didn't have a place to stay, and he didn't have um, nursemaids, and he didn't have uh, midwives. It was Joseph and Mary in a cave, so he helped deliver the child. So he also had to go through the spiritual purification rituals. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him, Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. Consecrated just means to be set aside for the service of. And to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves, are two young pigeons. Now, just to clarify there, there are lots of other things that could be offered. Um, this is kind of a, a pauper's offering. Now, there is evidence. There are legends. There are theories about Joseph. You know, we, we hear about Joseph being a carpenter. 
that Jesus is the son of a carpenter. The word for carpenter in the Greek is tekton. It's where we get the word technology from. So he could have been a carpenter. He could have been a stonemason. He could have created beautiful things out of ivory and other rare minerals and that kind of thing. So it is possible, not likely, but possible that Joseph was actually pretty well esteemed in, in, in his hometown and that he, that he worked as kind of a high a high end, like a, like a finished carpenter, a cabinet maker would do today. But we get this evidence that it was pigeons, two young, uh, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Mary likely did not come from money. And because I'm sure they were not anticipating when they headed off to Bethlehem uh, that they had to know the time was near, but they were probably hoping they could get the census done, get back home, have the baby, and then make the proper preparations. But eight days after the birth, they went from Bethlehem to Jerusalem to make the offering that they could make. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the, Lord, seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, uh, the child Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. Just picture it for a moment. Brand new mom, first kid. You come to church. Some old dude you've never met walks up, grabs your kid, and starts singing. It's a little awkward at best. Now, maybe that kind of thing happened more back then, you know, the, the whole it takes a village to raise a kid kind of thing. But Joseph and Mary weren't from Jerusalem. Now, they, he did have to go to the temple on occasion, but that's an odd circumstance. Not only that, but it wasn't that, that, that Simeon saw this young couple with a new baby and that there was this, this light upon him, this halo around Jesus, as you always see in the crash scenes. Um, it wasn't like that. Simeon was moved by the Holy Spirit to go to the temple first. And then he saw them enter and he went up and he grabbed the child and he praised God saying, sovereign Lord, as you have promised, now uh, you now dismiss your servant in peace for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people, Israel. When the child's father and mother, uh, the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. Now, most of the people in this room are not what we would call charismatics. But if you've ever been in a, in a circle where someone says, where you're in a prayer time and someone goes, I have a word from the Lord for you. Or I want to put my hands on you and prophesy over you. It's a little uncomfortable for, for Dutch folks. It is especially those of us who are, who are reformed, because, you know, it's Father, Son, and Holy Scriptures, not necessarily Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But if someone's going to prophesy over you, I mean, I had, I had, Lynn's brother gave me a word from the Lord back when we were engaged, and it made no sense to me then. It did, it did about a decade later, but it made no sense. But, but it wasn't one of these, like, 
hey, by the way, it's going to get ugly, it's going to be hard, and you're going to suffer a lot. But that's basically what Simeon says. He says, this is who your son is. We've seen his salvation. It'd be a call to the Gentiles, and it'll be the glory of, of, of Israel. And then he blessed the, the, the mom, and he blessed the child, and he told her that many will fall and rise because of your son. Um, and, and, and your own soul will be pierced by a sword, not a literal sword. Not the kind of prophetic word I would want to receive I'm marveling at this thing that was just said, and then I get a personal word. So it's God's way of saying to the mother and the father of Jesus that, yes, I've made these promises. Yes, the world has been anticipating this event for a long time, but the, the person himself, the ministry itself, the call and the, the purpose of God is going to be fulfilled, and not everyone's going to like it. And then there's another little piece. There was a pro- also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after their marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at, the, at, at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. So all these things that these people have been looking forward to, this this strange circumstance that Mary, 12, 13-year-old girl who's never kissed a boy, and her now husband, who is not, their marriage has never been consummated. They have to make a trip because of the declaration of a king who thought he was a god. He wants to take a, a census, and they go to the place where Joseph's family is from, the city of David, Bethlehem, and the child is born in, in the worst of all circumstances, the humility that God shows through how he was born, where he was born, and that he showed his power through his powerlessness, that he, as we talked about last week, that he announced his birth to the everyday Joes of the culture. All of this strange circumstance that all weaves together to the point where Jesus goes to the temple to be circumcised, and, 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 and some man who God had told for year, years prior that you're not going to go home to be with me until you see the salvation of Israel, until you see the Savior that's been promised. All of the anticipation, and I don't, was everybody always thinking about what about the Messiah? I don't know, but the Zealots certainly were. The Pharisees certainly were. Some of the Sadducees were. But what had happened, when we read through the Gospels, one of the things that Simeon tells us is that there's going to be Gentiles involved, that's non-Jews, and that many in Israel, many of the Jewish people, many of God's chosen children are going to rise or fall. What makes them rise or fall? How they receive Jesus. So before his ministry begins, eight days after his birth, we are told this man and what he does is going to divide. But that would never happen today. We all want who Jesus is to be our Savior and our Lord. We all want to be fully devoted followers of Christ We never want Jesus to give us what we want. We always want to give him his glory. 
Well, Simeon predicted something that Jesus lived out. In Matthew, the, nearing the end of the gospel according to Matthew, Jesus' ministry, um, he's starting to have these, I'll call them debates, but he's doing this with the Pharisees, who were the law keepers, the Sadducees, who were the thinkers, the seminary professors, and the teachers of the law, those who tried to blend it all together. And some of the things they would say to him, we would be repulsed by. And some of the things that Jesus said to them, we would be repulsed by. So I'm going to tell you one parable that he told to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the teachers of the law. They knew he was talking to them. He knew he was talking to them. And they did not like what he had to say. And to be perfectly frank, neither do I. Because the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the teachers of the law were the religious, faithful people of the time. And you and I are the religious, faithful people of the time. It reads like this. This will not be up on the screen. Jesus spoke to them again in parables saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. So Jesus is talking about the judges and the kings. Then he sent some more servants and said, tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatted cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. Talking about the prophets. The king was enraged and he sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Think about the Assyrian armies that came down and laid siege to all of Israel and then uh, came down and took every fortified city except for Judah in the southern kingdom. Think about Nebuchadnezzar and all the promises that God had made. And he allowed this, this evil demon-worshiping king to take and destroy everything that God had made. That's what he's talking about right there. And then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited do not deserve to come. Go to the street corners, invite to the banquet anyone you find. That's us. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, both good and bad, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed that a man there, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he asked, how'd you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. Then the king this is harsh. This is pokey. Then the king told his servants, tie him hand and foot, throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then Jesus ends this parable by saying, for many invited, but few are chosen. God built the Taj Mahal. And we're the construction workers. Have we thrown out the reason for the temple. Are we people like the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the teachers of the law? Are we people? And at any time, are we people who look at what Jesus has done and we go, this is, a, this is beautiful. 
But think about all the things that Jesus told us would come. The whole purpose of Advent is to remind ourselves that the promises of God are kept. Salvation will come. Redemption will come. We, you and I, get to receive for ourselves that which we do not deserve. Grace. We don't get what we do deserve. Mercy. But there's other promises of God that have yet to be fulfilled. Jesus is coming back. He came as a lamb. He's returning as the lion. The meek will inherit the earth. The poor will be celebrated. Those of us who have much, those of us who are first, will be last. See, God keeps all of his promises. And I know it's, it's Christmas Eve. You're here on a Sunday morning. There's beautiful music. And you just, preacher, just make us feel good. I'm gonna. But I'm gonna be truthful about what the scriptures tells you. Because I would be sinning against you if I didn't tell you why this man in this parable who showed up with no wedding clothes was tossed out. He came to the banquet of the bridegroom on his own terms. Simeon says, many hearts, it will be shown of many what's in their hearts. He says it will cause the rising and the falling of many. What's the difference between those who rise and those who fall? Whose terms we accept? See, I am not saved if Jesus is there just to give me what I want. He gave his life for me and his requirement of me is one thing, to give my life to him. So I don't get to treat it like it's some gift card that I get in my Christmas stocking that I get to redeem when I want for what I want. The gift, which we'll talk about more tonight, is him. And it's his terms we accept. We don't ask him to accept ours. The Pharisees didn't get the Messiah they wanted. The Sadducees didn't get the Messiah they wanted. But Mary Magdalene, one of ten lepers, some fishermen, sinners, blind people, prostitutes, they got the Savior they needed. And he met them where they were, and he called every one of them to basically do this. Confess, repent, leave your old ways, follow me. And earlier this fall, we, we talked about one of those men. He's known as a rich young man or the rich young ruler. And he came to Jesus on his terms. Yes, he bent a knee, and he said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one's good except God. You know the commandments. Honor your parents. Don't steal. Don't defraud. Yada, yada, yada. The young man goes, kept all those since I was a kid. And then the scripture says in the gospel according to Mark that Jesus looked at him and he loved him. And then he says something pokey. Sell everything you have, give to the poor, follow me. Jesus looked at him 
and loved him and then said, how you inherit eternal life is you come to me on my terms. I don't come to you on yours. God has already come to us on our terms. He's gone from heaven to earth. He went from omnipresence to being in one spot at one time. He went from being beyond time, the creator of time, to being bound by time. He went from being omniscient, all-powerful, to being wrapped in a papoose as a helpless child. God has already done everything God can or is willing to do to come meet us on our terms so that he identifies with us, we then must identify with him. But from that point forward, we don't get to say, Lord, give me what I want. Because there's rising and there's falling. And the way you rise is you fall. You humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. The way you receive salvation is you say, yes, my Lord. Not my will, but yours be done. And we have a wonderful, phenomenal, amazing culture and country. And one of the things we love most is if I work hard, I get what I want. But that's not how it works with Jesus. If it did, we're all doomed. The way it works with Jesus is you worked hard and you give me what I need. And we get to say, thank you. Yes, my Lord, my life is yours. Now, I told you I'm gonna make you feel good. The God of the universe decided that you were so dear to him, that you were the joy set before him, that even from his birth we were told that he's going to come to tell us the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help him God. And he did. And some of those truths the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the teachers of the law didn't like. Some of those truths the Romans didn't like. And some of those truths, honestly, I don't like. Because I want it to be that I get what I've deserved, and so if I'm pretty well off or I'm in a pretty good spot, I've earned it. But God says, all good things come from the Lord. Some will, some won't, but some will. And if you're one of those people who has received, accepted, and given Jesus as Lord and Savior and given your life to him, thank God today that you have a Savior. Thank God today that you've been bought back. Thank God today that you got what you do not deserve. And if you're one of those who's like, eh, you know, I got this. Today's the day to change that. Today is always the day to change that. But if you think you've got figured out how the world works better than the one who made it, woe to you. But if you confess that you have no idea what's going on, that God is better and greater, and he's the one who orchestrates history, he's the one that sets up and tears down kingdoms, and he's chosen me, therefore I'm going to bend my knee, bend my will, and follow him. And if asked, I will sell everything I have, give to the poor, in order to follow him, then praise the God of the universe who chose you and made you right with him. I pray that you will rise by falling and not fall by trying to raise yourself up. Let's pray. Almighty God, we bless you because you are God. 
We thank you because you came to save us. And we obey you because you told us how to live. Lord, I pray that you give us the courage and the humility as you exhibited by becoming one of us to receive you on your terms, to change our clothes when it's needed, to come to you to celebrate this Savior that's been born to us, Christ the Lord, because it is good news that is for all people. We pray this in the name of Jesus, through the power of the the Spirit who lives within us, for the glory of God our Father. Amen.